Summer Smash podcast with Bernie Mac and the Beaver. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Summer Smash podcast. I'm your host, Bernie Mac, and I'm joined by the man in the West, Rob Beaver. How are you doing today, Rob? Very, very well, Bernie. Uh, a year older since I last spoke to you, but uh, apart from that disappointing fact of life, I'm um, very much ready for the finals to get underway. It sounds like you've uh, also had a big doubleheader this week, your birthday plus <laughs> Australia Day. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, for a lesser man, Bernie, they might not have shown up uh, today for the podcast. It's completely ignore the fact that we were supposed to do it on Friday and we were supposed to do it <laughs> yesterday, but I've managed to pull up on day three. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, look, we got plenty of cricket to talk about. Uh, obviously, the uh, doubleheader on Saturday uh, afternoon and evening. Uh, all the action in that. A uh, few do-or-die games, and then now we've got our finals matchup. Uh, we're going to quickly touch on the um, Sydney Thunders' last home game, which was played in Melbourne. And um, one of the really fascinating things that's come out that we're going to get to later in the podcast uh, is uh, the BBL players on Twitter. And uh, we, we love to see them on there, but um, there was a bit of controversy this week, but we'll get to that a little bit later in the show. Now, Rob... Uh, I really wanted to be uh, a lot more enthusiastic about this uh, this game wrap up, but uh, obviously, you know, the, the, the Sydney Thunder are, are dear to my heart, and uh, they went down the, on, on Tuesday night in the Nation Capitals to the uh, the Renegades, and uh, look, it, it was it was a very close game, and it turned out to be a lot closer uh, than what we're, what we were expecting. The, the Renegades got 189 on the board, and a big part of that was the last over, which went for 25 runs. Um, the Thunder made a game of it, and and, um, I mean, they almost mowed it down. They only ended up losing by, uh, well, they were all out, but they uh, they fell just nine runs short of that total. It's a really interesting game. If you're looking at the the worm, which is what I've got in front of me at the moment for this one, Bernie, the, the Renegades on top until about the 13 over mark, and the Thunder just, just took hold of it. They lost four wickets in the space of about four overs, but they also had a really good run rate, and it just uh, tip, dipped just below right at the end, which uh, obviously you wouldn't have been all that thrilled about. But taking a look at um, what was actually happening here, looking at the scorecard, this is something that we've, we've pointed out all season, is that the, the Sydney Thunder's batting depth, especially when um, Usman Kawaja isn't in the squad, it really struggles a bit. And for the first time, it seems all year, you actually got contributions out of that middle order. Ben Rohr is a guy that you, you've taken aim at a couple of times throughout the season. He goes up and puts up 48 off 21, which is huge. Uh, Arjun Nair, of course, fresh with that suspension for his bowling action, he's gone, do you know what, I'll do something with the bat. He put up 45 off 25 as well, and, and even Chris Green, a guy who hit 22 or 14. So uh, in a lot of ways, I guess for you, is it really quite frustrating to see that in the final game of the season where it did not matter, even in the slightest, that you got contributions out of these guys that you've been labouring on all season? You- Poor old Arjun there. I mean, he's a guy that's in a really unique situation. I was trying to think of myself like he's got a bowling suspension, but he's still allowed to bat. Can you imagine any other sport in the world where you're only allowed to play half of the game? Can you imagine if AFL, if you were allowed to, you're allowed to handball, but you weren't allowed to kick the ball in a game? Like it, it just seems like one of the most oddest suspensions in the world. 
well, I, I take a look at basketball, for example, and you, you'd sit there and you'd be like, right, well, here's the thing, mate. You're allowed to play defense, but you're not allowed to shoot. It would be like when you were eight years old and there was a clear standout player and the coach would be like, no, 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 you can't score. Someone else has to <laughs> score. Um, it, it's Yeah, as you said, it's a really, really bizarre situation. But um, in credit to him at such a young age to go out and make 45. And um, who knows, maybe he's gone, if I can't bowl, I'm, I won't bowl at practice. I've done that my whole life. I'll get in there, put the pads on and, and have a go and see if I can belt some balls at practice. But uh, it a really, really good effort from him. Meanwhile, you look at the Renegades. Um, it really not that convincing, to be perfectly honest. I know they ended up winning this game, but Marcus Harris made 64. No one else really... Um, there were a couple of starts there. You had Matt Short, 28, and, and Kieran Pollard made 23. But a few starts, but no one really... Uh, went on with it there and I'm not 100% sure or in fact I'm I'm 100% sure that it's not uh, the the run of of form or I guess that game that they would have looked to have been having leading into the finals. Yeah, so look, as we um, file the uh, Thunder, the, the Sydney Thunders at 2017-2018 season, uh, we, we'll put that uh, in, in the history books. Uh, I just want to say it was great to see guys like Arjun Nair, Chris Green. Uh, these are young guys for the Thunder. I, I think they had, the, I think they finished the tournament really strong, and I think I, I just hope that uh, uh, for BBL they they really pick up where they left off, and I think the Thunder could be a real threat. Um, I certainly think there's going to be some changes in that import department, and we'll talk about. Uh, Mitch uh, McLennigan, he's been having, uh, he's been getting plenty of grief from the, the Thunder faithful. Uh, he didn't have a great tournament, uh, and I, th- I don't think the Thunder are going to bring him back in uh, BBL 08. Uh, Shane Watson, I mean, he, he's still looking like a, a, a dangerous batsman, and um, look, I really hope to see him again uh, in the in the Thunder outfit. Bernie, as you say, you filed the the season away for history. What what cabinet would you you put the Thunder season in? Do you go craptastic? Do you go underachieving? Do you go had promise? Um, you know, a season missed or a missed opportunity, perhaps. Where, where do you kind of rank them in terms of things? I think probably craptastic's a little bit too far, but it seemed at times that they did have a lot of promise, and mm. um, you know, you've seen them rack up scores of 180, like in this one when they lose to the Renegades, and that's a pretty competitive score regardless of who you're playing or what ground you're playing at, but it seemed like when they came up against some of these quote-unquote lesser teams that they'd only really be able to make scores of 160 and maybe didn't take some of those opportunities for some wins? Yeah, for me, it was a season of missed opportunities. Uh, I, I think they went through a stretch there in the middle of the season where they lost three or four games in a row, and each one of those games was coming down to the last over. Uh, and and in, particularly in that last game, I thought their fielding was woeful in the field. There were a number of, of chances they had to really restrict that Renegades total uh, to something would have been a lot more competitive. And uh, I, I think it's a season that showed promise but there were certainly opportunities that were missed uh, the fact that they're not in the finals I don't think they can feel hard done by uh, but I certainly think you know, the building blocks are there uh, for a promising future in BBL 08 certainly are Bernie uh, shall we move on to uh, another game that we will take a look at this one involving the Renegades as well this is the second game of that double header we had uh, last night or Saturday night and taking a look at the the Renegades Mm. they get up uh, the heat pretty dismal really 161 and when you consider the fact that they had Chris Lynn they they had Brendan McCullum in there as well and uh, they had a couple of decent sort of contributors from that middle order in Alex Ross and, and Ben Cutting and even Jimmy Pearson there towards the end uh, really quite disappointing and and I guess sums up their season in a lot of ways as well. How much do you put down, I guess, Chris Lynn's 
injury or I guess his inavailability to play for large chunks of the season, uh, how much do you put that down to the fact that, or I should say, how much does that contribute to the fact that the Heat weren't able to, to actually make the top four? I think uh, the storyline for the Heat this year was that their big guns didn't fire, and that is uh, Lynn McCullum and also uh, Joe Burns, uh, who unfortunately he went down with injury in the last three games. I mean, those guys are hands down your top three batsmen, and they certainly weren't up to scratch uh, this year. Uh, Chris Lynn, yeah, looked like he was settling in with uh, 21. McCullum uh, lost his wicket cheaply again last night, and, and I just don't think they bowled that great either. I mean, at, at no time in that game did the Renegades seem to be uh, under any pressure. Uh, Tom Cooper was sensational with the bat. Uh, Marcus Harris, I mean, he was hitting the ball pretty cleanly. I mean, they only took uh, three wickets, and it's really difficult to uh, to try to generate any type of pressure uh, when you're only when the, you're only taking three wickets. And and I've just got to say, hands down, the Renegades were elite in the field last night. I think if there's going to be the top 10 catches of the BBL, I think we saw three of them in that Renegades inning last night. Uh, Tom Cooper took an absolute screamer, uh, running backwards, right hand out the back of his head. He's just stuck the hand out and he's caught it. And um, it was a fantastic catch. So uh, catches win matches. That's the old saying, Rob. Certainly is, Bernie. And it's interesting, I guess, that you brought up uh, the Renegades and the power that they had in the field. I'm looking at the, the bowling figures here and they actually had seven bowlers on the night as well, which, as we've said, we, we keep pointing out the Melbourne Stars and how, you know, maybe their bowlers don't get uh, to get into a groove and, you know, maybe if they did this, it would help or that or whatever. But for the first time this season, it seems like I'm looking at a scorecard and I'm seeing seven ball, uh, seven, sorry, seven bowlers, but I'm also seeing really good economy races. Only one of them is, is Kieran Pollard, who only bowled the two overs, um, who went for more than 10 and over. You're looking at guys, John Holland, two overs at nine and over, Dwayne Bravo, four or 3.5 technically, but essentially four overs at 6.2 to go with three wickets. Um, even a guy like Wildermuth, who only went for seven and a half and over in his two overs. So not quote unquote, I guess they're big name bowlers. You've obviously got Bravo in there. You've got Tremaine, you've got Kane Richardson as well. Well, those three bowlers took all of the wickets and the other bowlers are just in there basically to keep that run rate down. So it's a real credit to the Renegades that they were able to bowl so many, have so many options, and that they're actually able to come through against what is potentially a really potent batting lineup from the Heat. Kieran Pollard's a really fascinating character. He's just come in to the side, huge West Indian bowler. Uh, he looks like he's about six foot five on the, on the TV. You think he's going to be steaming in like Hurtley Ambrose and firing down thunderbolts, but he has this <laughs> odd sort of technique where he just takes about 10 steps, he trundles in, he's got a slower ball that's around 85 kilometres an hour. His top ball's maybe about 118, 120 kilometres an hour. He really just has this... the the ball seems to stick in the pitch and then just doesn't come onto the bat. And it really tends to frustrate the batsman. Uh, it's, it, it slows the game down almost. And, and it, it really puts the pressure on the batsman to do all the work because they can't use any of that pace from the ball to, uh, to try to get it to the boundary. It's a really good point that you make because we see so often in the Big Bash, uh, you know, a game of millimetres or, or centimetres, you see these, um, you know, a, a bowler might bowl something wide outside off stump and, and, Late in the innings, you know, the batsmen are just going to swing at anything they can. And quite often they'll get these top edges and they'll go for four or they might even go for six. I've seen a couple go for six. Whereas, as you said, if Pollard decides he's going to bowl something wide outside off stump, good luck getting it to the boundary because you're going to have to completely change your stance and the amount of power required to actually generate 
um, the energy needed to transfer that ball onto the ground and get it to run all the way to the boundary without first being caught by a fielder is basically impossible. And as we have a look, I know we ended up going for 11 and a half uh, and over, but he's, I guess, that little bit of a wild card. He can, if the run rate's maybe not where it needs to be um, for a team that the Renegades are facing in, in the finals, and uh, it's like late in the innings, you've got lots of wickets in hand, um, and you, you bring on Pollard, you're going, oh, I could bash this for six every ball and, and and i think maybe as you said the frustration sinks in and maybe that's actually a lot worse than mm. you know having yeah. a mitch johnson steamroll you and, and bowl things at you 140 150 k's an hour because you can just throw the bat in front of you and if it hits it your chances are you can run at least a single but that's not the case with pollard and we've got to talk about why pollard is in the side uh brad hogg was dropped for last night's uh game obviously he was uh came in from previously with the scorchers uh he was one of the renegades signing this year uh, he hasn't played great this season um, and it'll be interesting to see whether or not the Renegades decide to go back to him uh, for the semi-finals Pollard I think he's looked good with the ball Pollard is a big strong hitter with the bat and uh, he's uh, he's a pretty safe fielder he took some good catches there on Tuesday night down at Monica Oval uh, so interesting little storyline there that uh, Pollard in uh, Brad Hogg uh, one of the legends of Australian cricket uh, he's on the out Bernie, there's multiple reasons why it could be, but I'm just looking at the internet here and it says his test debut was on the 10th of October in 1996. Now, I don't know about you, but I was three (laughs) years old in 1996, Bernie, so it gives you an idea of how long he's been playing for. Um, Look, he's he's 46. He's basically due to turn 47 uh, in about a week, just over a week's time. Father time catches up with us all, and as much as I think people love Brad Hogg, and he's actually been great, he's been able to extend his career by a number of years at the BBL level, I don't know if if he's the best person going forward um, for the Renegades at this time. Maybe they've just dropped him, um, and maybe he'll come back, and you know, maybe they, they look at getting somebody on board for this final that's coming up, who's played with that team consistently. Oh, he's been there a couple of years now, but uh, then again... 46, 47 years old, why? There's not like you're going to get potential out of him. You're not breeding mm. him for the future, are you? Oh, I, I fully expect to see Brad Hogg back in BBL 08, or he's certainly going to be trying out for a team uh, this year, whether or not uh, he makes it. That, that, that'll be that'll be, that'll be be interesting to see. But look, I think the Renegades are certainly going to come into the finals with their, with their tails up. Uh, I think Brisbane Heat should feel disappointed uh, with the effort they put in last night. Uh, they, they had every chance uh, to make the semi-finals. Uh, obviously, with um, the Hobart Hurricanes, they went down earlier in the day to the last place Melbourne Stars, who managed to pick up just their second win of the season. Uh, that upset win there for the Stars uh, meant that the Heat uh, basically this was a semi this was a basically a semi-final for them. If they had won this game, uh, they'd be playing semi-finals crickets. And uh, with everything on the line, I, I just think they failed the fire. I certainly did, and I don't think you can really um, debate that or question that. And I guess it brings me to the same question that I had about the Thunder. Where do you put this season for for the Brisbane Heat? They they promised so much, and I know Chris Lynn uh, wasn't there for, for large chunks of it, but ironically, almost, they, the Heat played their first, I think, two or three games without Lynn, and they actually played pretty well. And it almost seems like maybe he disturbed that top order because uh, it, it seemed at times that McCullum was able to make a couple of, you know, 30, 40, and 50 run totals. And then as soon as Chris Lynn came in, that 
they almost didn't have that chemistry. It was almost like they, because he hadn't been able to get out on the park that they were missing that chemistry, which they seemed to have over the last couple of seasons. And then he came back for a while. Then he was put on representative duties and a little bit of in and out there. So where, where do you put this season? I think missed opportunities is probably um, a, a really good sort of filing cabinet for this. But I guess for me, I almost look at it and go just – Miss X is – it's the inability to execute because they had all the tools there and at times they were able to do it, but just the consistent execution just wasn't there. Yeah, I'd agree with you on that one, Rob. Uh, overhype, under-executed, that would be the way I would sum up the Brisbane Heat. Some of the guys that look I really enjoyed watching... Um uh, cutting, I think he came in and played some excellent uh, uh, innings there for the Heat. I think he was great with the bat and the ball. Uh, but look, I think there's, there's plenty of signs of life there for, for the Brisbane Heat. And uh, while this season might have been a bit of a speed hump, I expect to see them uh, back big and strong. And they're one of the best supported uh, teams uh, in the BBL, uh, almost selling out the Gabba, I think, for, for most of their home games. Well, they're, they're an exciting team. And, and as we keep saying, on paper... They're, they're amazing. They should be great. And, and I guess Chris Lynn, if he had to play it every game, then who knows, results might have been a little bit different. But uh, again, just a team that promised so much and, and maybe under-delivered. And uh, you compare that to a team like the Hurricanes, who we're about to have a chat about because they're in the semi-final against the Scorchers, a team that lost their first three games in a row and then finished in a blaze of glory, a team that probably under-promised and over-delivered, which is what you want. It was interesting, uh, that, that little sub-storyline uh, last night with the, the heat going down and that upset loss to the, the Melbourne Stars yesterday. Uh, what it actually meant for the, the, uh, the Hurricanes was that they, uh, they basically needed the Renegades to win to hang on to their final spot. So there was actually footage of uh, some of the Hurricanes players. They were still at the MCG, uh, still watching the TV, basically cheering on the Renegades. I think Joffre Archer actually tweeted out like... Come on, Renegades! You're playing really well. So, I mean, it's not every day. Uh, not every day you see that. No, it certainly isn't, Bernie. And uh, it just brings back the old saying: "The enemy of my enemy is my friend," doesn't it? <laughs> That's right. And uh, look, the the Hurricanes are certainly going to go into this final series with the underdog tag. They really they only needed to win one out of their last three games to guarantee uh, their final spot after they went on that five game win streak. Uh, so I, I think they're sort of they're, they're stumbling into the finals, but at the same time there were some positives I think they could take out uh, from that game yesterday against the Stars. Uh, Darcy Short, who has obviously been this season's best batter, uh, he was out yesterday for a golden duck. However, the Hurricanes still went on uh, to put up a score of over 180, uh, which I think is an excellent sign uh, for the finals because, as we know, uh, Darcy Short, because he's been called up for Australian representative duties, uh, he's not going to be available for the uh, for the semi-finals and the finals uh, if the Hurricanes are successful. It's interesting you say that they're, I guess, the underdog heading into the finals because I, I don't believe they are. I, I don't think they're the favourite by any means. I think the Scorchers and the Strikers are probably the two favourites, but I'd have the Hurricanes ahead of the Renegades at this point. I don't think, as much as I guess we sit there and we go, okay, the Hurricanes, they've limped, quote-unquote, into the, the final series. The Renegades haven't been faring all that much better, to be perfectly honest, and the Renegades, they had that loss to the Stars um, earlier in the season as well, when things were actually mattered. It's one thing for the Hurricanes to be like, okay, well, you know, we can't really be moved out of this, so it doesn't all really, quote-unquote, matter all that much. Um, the Renegades, I think, are a far less consistent team, and 
Uh, I think the Hurricanes at their best is way better than the Renegades at their, their best as well. So I, I'm a bit surprised that you say that the Hurricanes are the underdog heading into the finals. Well, f- for me, the big question mark in the finals is going to be the Adelaide Strikers. I think they've looked fantastic this season. And uh, I think a big part of that is that they've got stellar performances from guys that we we probably didn't know as much about uh, in BBL 06. Um, One of the stories that's come out this week is Rashid Khan. He's the Afghani spin bowler for the Adelaide Strikers. Uh, He's not, if the Strikers do make the finals, he is not going to be available for the finals. So he's he's been one of their huge wicket takers all season uh, and he won't be available. So I think that's going to be huge. Yeah, and you add on to the absence of Rashid, they are going to be missing Captain Travis Head, Keeper Alex Cleary and uh, Billy Stanlake. Um, so I mean that's four of your top guys, yeah, four out of 11 is not going to be available uh, for the finals. Uh, is uh, The question mark for me is, is this going to be the Adelaide team uh, that have been playing so well and um, you know, finished second on the BBL ladder? Well, if we're being perfectly honest, Bernie, it probably won't be, but I'd like to, I guess, sort of go a step further and counter that by saying that they've got the best net run rate in the league, and and it's not even close. I mean, you're looking at a team like the Hurricanes who actually made it into the finals 5-5 and with a negative net run rate, which is really quite shocking. The Adelaide Strikers had a a 0.8, whereas the Perth Scorchers, who finished on top, had a 0.1. So, okay, you're bringing out some names there who... Uh, who are going to miss time, and yeah, absolutely, they, they will miss time. And as you said, uh, Alex Carey, second top scorer uh, for the the entire Big Bash League on 425 runs, and then Colin Ingram is uh, is actually ninth. He's on 262 runs, or, or equal eighth technically with Tom Cooper. But you're looking at a team who has a, a net run rate that is so good anyway that they can probably afford not to, to bash those games. And if we're looking ahead, let's say the Strikers and the Scorchers met um, hypothetically in the actual final. The Scorchers don't whack a huge score anyway, usually, unless they really need to. So uh, I don't think that's perhaps going to play uh, into things as much as it otherwise would. If you're looking at a team like the Hurricanes, as you've said, uh, you, you take away a guy like Darcy Short uh, from a team who already has a negative net run rate and it's probably not looking all that great, but I think that's maybe less important for the strikers than it is for some other teams. Yeah, I think the obviously the, the absence there you mentioned of uh, Kerry, the, the second best batsman uh, in the BBL, uh, yeah, obviously he's going to be facing that bowling attack of the Renegades, which has been bolstered recently. So I, I think the Renegades, uh, there could be a bit of an upset on there at uh, Adelaide Oval. Uh, I think the first semi-final is going to be a little bit more straightforward, uh, as we've seen with the Scorchers. Uh, their team will continue to get stronger. They're welcoming back one of the Marsh brothers. Interesting little side note for the Hurricanes, they actually welcome back Australian wicketkeeper Tim Payne. He comes back into the side and um, he'll be uh, taking the batting spot of Darcy Short. So that's an interesting little sub story to keep an eye on for the Hurricanes. It certainly is, Bernie, and I'm sure we'll probably hear some more player or personnel-related moves as we get uh, creep ever so closer uh, to these games uh, as well. But uh, I think what we need to take away is that we can analyse and, and say, oh, you know, maybe it's not good. These guys are going to be missing these players. But it, sh- it still promises a, a lot. And, and we've seen the Hurricanes take it right up to the Scorchers over here. And we've even seen the Renegades do that throughout the season as well. So whoever gets through to that final, I think we're in for a pretty competitive game. 
And speaking of finals, I mean, I pretty much can guarantee that we, we spoke about uh, this in some of our previous episodes. Uh, Optus Stadium, the government has come to the party and they're now going to allow 55,000 people to come to that semi-final. Um, so that's going to be huge. That's going to be absolutely rocking. And Adelaide Oval, again, this is another um, this is another ground that typically sells out for um, all the BBL fixtures. Great to see the the Perth government finally getting a grip uh, on the wider world and and doing basically exactly what I, I said when we had Paul Dennett on our last episode, Bernie, which was you you can't or let me phrase that you shouldn't dictate to people how many can go. You should say to them, hey, we don't have the infrastructure to get you there, the public transport system, you, you know raise awareness of the fact that there's going to be problems but if people are prepared to to take on those problems know about them and deal with them then then let it happen and i'm glad that it that it has been the case because come afl season there's going to be times when the eagles and dockers play and there's going to be sixty thousand people going there so there's no point having a, a test on a night when there's forty thousand people and knocking out 20 when you can get these if there are any problems get those problems out in the open and fix them before it gets used every second week or every week even for, for potentially sell out crowds well rob uh, let's uh, polish off our uh, crystal balls and look ahead and uh, let's take a look at uh, let's take a look at some tips uh, coming up for the semi-finals. Now, I just have to say, with my Sydney Thunder out of the competition, uh, Hobart <laughs> Hurricanes. We, we've already said they are the team of the Summer Smash podcast. Oh, Bernie! So uh, I'm going to be taking taking uh, them on as my team to to cheer for uh, during this final series. But look, who's your tip for Scorchers and Hurricanes uh, semi-final number one? I've got to back in the Scorchers, Bernie, and not just because I'm from Perth. I think all season. Um, they've just proven that they have the ability to just just find ways to, to get wins. You, I remember there was only a matter of a week and a half, two weeks ago, where we both said after the Renegades posted 185, we went, okay, we'll go to bed, it'll all be good. And, and they seem to just find ways with guys who aren't even necessarily at the top of their order. Very rarely this season has it been uh, a Klinger, a Bancroft, a Will Basisto, or anyone who's sort of come through that top order it's always been your agars your turners and all these sort of guys in the middle that are just able to stand up and i think uh, in a game where both teams will be missing players i think the scorchers have more depth and i think that's going to be what gets them over the line so much so bernie that that's my bet for uh the finals i'm going to go the scorchers to win outright at a dollar 57 over the hurricanes in this one What's interesting that you actually mentioned the the strength of the Scorchers' middle order. Um, I think one of the bets I'm going to take for this game is the Hobart Hurricanes to have the ho- highest opening partnership, paying two dollars. So look, I'm going to stick with the hur- stick with betting on the Hurricanes. Um, I think the obviously the Scorchers come into this game as favourites, and that's uh, well deserved. Uh, but look, I think that's a little market there. I'm going to pick up uh, on the Hurricanes, and that's for the highest opening partnership. Not a bad choice at all, Bernie. Moving on to the next game, Strikers and Renegades. To me, as I said, the Renegades are the biggest underdog that we have in the BBL finals. Um, Strikers, as you've mentioned, they've got a few issues going on um, going forward. I think they'll be too strong anyway, especially over there at the Adelaide Oval. Not confident enough at this point to put a bet on Bernie, but I think the Strikers should get this one done. I think the Renegades... Uh, have just been a little bit too inconsistent and even without some of their bigger names the strikers consistency which they've been able to demonstrate for most of the season should see them over the line see rob uh, again i'm gonna have to agree to disagree on this one i i like the melbourne renegades coming into this one as, as i mentioned i think there's some question marks there on the strikers and look i've actually watched 
all of the last two Renegades games, the ones they played against the Thunder and then also last night. And I've got to say, they're just looking sharp in every aspect of the game at the moment. They're getting quality batting, quality fielding, quality bowling. And there's not going to be too many changes for the Renegades coming into to this one. So I... I think uh, an upset could be on the cards here. And uh, look, I- I'm going to take the Renegades in this one. I'm going to take them outright at $1.92. Renegades outright at $1.92 for Bernie. Well, we agree to disagree. So I've got the Scorchers and the Strikers in the final. You've got uh, the Scorchers and the Renegades, I believe. So, uh, well, hopefully one of us is right. Uh, well, <laughs> it'd still be a great game if it was Hurricanes and Strikers, but... Uh, probably take the uh, the piss a little bit on us. We'd have to if uh, if that was the case. Bernie, anything else we need to get to before we wrap up episode eleven? Well, I just want to change gears a little bit here. Yeah. And one thing that we do enjoy, you and I get on Twitter, and uh, we always love to to hear from people and get stuck into a bit of banter. You can find me at Bernie08Mac, and uh, you can find Rob at Robert Double Underscore Beaver. Um, it was interesting this week after the Sydney Thunder were officially eliminated. Uh, from the competition, uh, uh, Mitch McClanahan, Mitch McClanahan, uh, for that uh, 25th, uh, for 25 runs off the last over, he copped a fair bit of criticism from from fans online, and um, he also copped. Uh, Mark War actually uh, came out and said, said on radio that um, you know he shouldn't be bowling the last over. He hasn't had a great success rate in bowling the last overs. Um, his actual words were that he lacks control and execution under pressure. And uh, I think obviously this is this is weighed up on on, on Mitch a bit. And uh, Mitch has felt the need to to respond. And, and I'll just read out uh, Mitch's tweet. Uh, so Mitch says, uh, for all those who feel the need to be abusive to any player on social media, understand that it's a tough game uh, and you, your hate will only fuel our desire to get better and won't break us. It's more of a reflection on who you are as a human being and definitely nothing to be proud of. So it's an interesting tweet. I think Mitch is coming out and taking the high road, but... Yeah, we, we talk about Twitter and it, for, it's a great platform to play us to get out there and we love hearing from them. But uh, it, a bit of a case in these tough situations when times are tough, uh, if you're going to live by the sword, you've sort of got to die by the sword as well. Twitter is one of the most fascinating tools um, for, for anyone involved in, in sports especially, but I guess you could use it for politics and a whole heap of other things as well. But especially for, for what you and I do, Bernie, it, it's it's fascinating. It gives us access, direct access to some of the, the most famous people in the world, which is fantastic if you're going to use it in the right way. Now, do people have a right to, to voice their opinion? Absolutely, and I'm not saying that they shouldn't. The thing... I think people need to remember is, and and this is um, the internet troll, and, and we've seen it since the beginning of time. And sometimes on Twitter, it is taken to, to a whole new level. You can um, see examples. I know there are people um, who, who who have in their bio um, as I guess a badge of honour that you know. I remember the one specifically who said, "I'm blocked by Scott Pendlebury, the, the Collingwood Magpies captain in the AFL," and that's their claim to fame. He said, "I'm I'm blocked." Mm. that that's my entire thing so i think if you're an athlete you've got to be careful with people indirectly i guess trying to use your profile to make themselves relevant or to to make themselves think that they're relevant um and i know that's not necessarily the case in this particular instance but again you, you can come out and i guess if if you're if you're a team or you're an individual you probably don't want twitter but you've got managers and you've got agents in your ear going, it's the best way to get your brand out there. It's the best way to keep yourself relevant um, after your sporting career. You look at a guy like 
Mitch Johnson, who copped a bit of flack um, over the last couple of days, and he's come out and he said to all the idiot, idiotic people out there hiding behind a computer screen typing absolute junk, I'm still smiling and enjoying my life with my amazing family. It's not the end of the world. Um, now, that's got 6,500 likes on it. So a guy who hasn't played uh, for Australia for how long, Bernie? I know he's still obviously active on the mm, big bash yep. circuit, but years he's been out of the, uh, the Australian squad and people still love him. And, and he's just said basically f off i don't care what you're gonna say um do whatever you want and i think this is the way to uh to deal with with things like this it is unfortunate though because it's essentially there is a tipping point mm. uh, and obviously as you said mitch uh, mcclanagan's felt that and he felt like he, he needed to address it or have his say and that's fine but by doing that you're, you're only giving the people who want a reaction out of you more power and i guess what gets lost in all of this is yeah okay he's bowling the last over that's not his fault. That's the captain. That comes back onto the captain for not planning things properly. If he's, quote-unquote, unable to, to execute under pressure, then why why are you blaming him instead of blaming the person who put him in a position where he had to do that? Yeah, I agree. And I, I, one thing I love about Twitter is we're allowed to get on there and we're allowed to have our say. Uh, we always have the opportunity, I think, to critique and be critical of a player's performance. Uh, but I think you do cross a line when you take it personal and attack the individual. Um and, and look, just to put this back into perspective, I think Mitch would be the first one to put his hand up and say he hasn't had the greatest BBLO tournament. He, he was actually hit for uh, 361 runs in BBLO 7, uh, and he had the sixth worst economy rate. Now, just to put that into perspective, uh, his Indian Premier League stats, they, uh, they're very exceptional. Uh, he took the fourth most wickets uh, in the league, uh, which was 19 last year for the Mumbai Indians. So, look, swings and roundabouts. And uh, look, I'm sure he's going to pull up his socks. And uh, I, I think he's going to be just fine after a tough week on Twitter. I can't imagine he wouldn't be fine. But again, it, it comes back to the point of just like, every, people are humans. Mm. You, you, can, you can bash him from pillar to post, but maybe just have a think about it. If you... Uh, and I know not everybody, you know, runs in the public domain or, or the public sphere. Um, so so perhaps for some people, it is a little bit difficult to kind of imagine what this constant onslaught of attention and, and negative press actually does to you. But uh, imagine, you know, if you, you went to work every day and every single person that you work with was going, mate, you were crap on the weekend. <laughs> yeah, like, do, you know, do you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. bad enough to go down to your local cricket club if you, you play local sport and everyone goes... Oh, mate, uh, do you want to just maybe practice your set shots from 35 out directly in front because you're blue? Like, do you know what I mean? And, and yeah. that gets to, to everybody, your, lo- your local footballers, your D-grade amateurs, whatever. So you can only imagine what it would be like if you've got hundreds of thousands, possibly even millions of people coming for you. If you, you play, uh, you know, international level sport or, or even, you know, national level sport like in the Big Bash. Yeah, that's right. Make sure you uh, be nice to one another and uh, look. <laughs> I'll be gonna... sure to throw a couple of likes your way, Bernie. We'll soften that up. <laughs> and uh, there we have it, folks. That's episode number 11 for the Summer Smash podcast. Thanks for everyone for choosing in, tuning in to episode 10 uh, with Paul Dennett. That was one of our most uh, successful episodes so far. So uh, thanks again for Paul coming on. And uh, look, Rob, we'll certainly try to uh, jump back on. I think after the first semi final, I think there's going to be plenty to talk about after your uh, Perth Scorchers go head to head with uh, my Hobart Hurricanes. Certainly will be, Bernie. Looking forward to it. Hopefully, we can uh, we can get on it and do another podcast ahead of the final. Give a bit of a preview. Give our thoughts on that. And uh, I don't even know. I don't think you've even kept a running total of what your uh, your bets are up to now. But I'm back in the positive, so I'm looking 
to uh, to finish the season in the positive, and then uh, of course come September, there's there'll be a, a beer in my hand. Hopefully, if you still got any money. <laughs> yeah, I think I finished again neutral this week. Uh, the uh, I went down on the thunder, I got up on the scorches, and then down on uh, hurricanes yesterday. So, look, uh, I'm hoping the hurricanes can come through with my my uh, my bet there for the highest opening partnership uh, for the semi final. Looking forward to it, Bernie. Looking forward to doing it all again in a couple of days' time. Uh, and I'll leave you to wrap this one up. Well, thanks again, guys, for tuning in. Uh, Rob and I have had an absolute blast recording the Summer Smash podcast. If you want to reach us on Twitter, use the hashtag Summer Smash Podcast. Enjoy the lead-up to the BBL07 semifinals, and we'll chat to you guys pretty soon. The Summer Smash Podcast with Bernie Mac and the Beaver.